Good morning, church. I want to talk to you today about trusting and obeying God. That when you do what is right and not what is easy, there's always a blessing with it. You know, life is at its best when we make the right decisions and the right choices. And for us to trust in God as our creator who can lead us to heaven, it's certainly worthwhile to trust in him to lead us here on earth to the life that's the best life there is. To do what is right and not what is easy. It's easy to make excuses. It's easy to follow the crowd. It's easy to say I can't do this and talk my way out of it or talk myself out of it. It's easy to be lazy. It's easy to, to put it off. It's easy to ignore. But you will never regret the decision and the choice that you make when you decide to do what is right and not what is easy, when you will trust and obey God. In Deuteronomy, God has given Moses his great word. And he's told Moses, look, I'm going to give you my word. I don't want you to add or subtract to it. I just want you to obey what I've given you. I want you to do what is right and not what is easy. And so he gives this, and it starts in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. And he begins, Moses starts talking about what God has given him about this word. He says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. In other words, God will never give us anything to do that's too difficult for us to do. It's never too difficult to do the right thing and always do the easy thing. Well, you may say, I don't know how. Ask God. He'll give you the wisdom. You may say, well, I, I can't escape this. I can't escape this addiction, this sin, this, this temptation, this fear. God will give you the door. Whatever God gives you to do, he says, it will never be too difficult for you. It will never be on your reach. To do what is right, to trust and obey God, is reasonable and is able to do it because God is always with you. Moses continues, you don't have to go up to heaven. And you have to ask, who will descend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? It's not spiritual. It's not mystical. It's not out of our grasp. It's not something you have to go to. The word of God is practical. It's in your everyday life. It's in the small decisions that you make. It's in the large, important decisions that you make. But everything you do, it's right here. Incidentally, we don't have to go up to heaven to get this because Jesus came down with it, didn't he? He came down with the word of God. He came down with the good news, the good news of salvation, the good news of how to live the abundant life, the good news to tell us that this God who is true, this God who's our creator, has given us a right way to live, and if we'll do what is right, that we will be blessed in doing it. He says you don't have to go into the heavens to do it, nor do you have to descend into the sea or cross the sea that you ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. You don't have to cross the Atlantic Ocean and take a pilgrimage to Israel to see all the sights, to get closer to Jesus. You don't have to make an annual pilgrimage somewhere in order to have a spiritual experience with God. Moses says, no, it's right here with you. It's right here. It's that this morning when you woke up and you saw your husband or your wife, that this morning when you saw the look in your kid's eyes or when you go to work or when you're driving or whatever you're doing this week, God is right there. He's right there among us. He's right there in us. And he's always telling us, you do the right thing. You choose life. And you will have a life beyond any blessing you could ever hope or imagine. Do the right thing. Don't do the easy thing. He says, he continues, no, this word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you may obey it. 
It's in your heart. It's in your mouth that you may obey it. This is important. It's important that we know God's word. The word of God is nearer to us today than ever before in the history of the world. I mean, it's everywhere. Although somebody was looking for a Bible this morning, we almost didn't find one in here. <laughs> we found it, though. But it's in book form. It's on computer. It's on your mobile device. It's on podcasts. It's on audio. We are surrounded and saturated with God's word. There's hardly a place you can go that you cannot have access to God's word, right? It is near to you. But it's not a research book. It's not something that's just near to us that we have access to like it's some sort of mobile library. But notice it says, when the word of God is near to you, it's in your heart and it's in your mouth. It's such a very important part of you that everywhere you go, God's word is in your heart, it's in your mouth. And Moses says, this is what you must do of God's word when you choose life. To do the right thing is to make sure that you are in God's word and it's not just there as research or historical book. It's something you're living every day. And then this is what Moses says next. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. There's two roads there, isn't there? You can choose life or you can choose death. Who wants to choose death? And yet the vast majority of people in this world will always choose death, won't they? Why is that? When you can choose life. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to listen to his voice and hold fast to him and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. Choose God. Live wisely. God wants you to live a life that will be what's best for you. He knows the right time. He knows the right opportunity. He knows the right people. He knows exactly what you need to be comforted. He knows the compassion you need to know that you need to have. He has the love that's there. He knows exactly what you need when you choose him. When you choose him and do the right thing, not the easy thing, you will be blessed in doing that. And so here's what Moses concludes. He says, now choose life. Choose that life. He has to tell them, you can choose life or death. He says, well, make sure you choose life. You know, it's like, we're going to make sure you get this right. Choose life. And that your children, see, it affects your children and their children, that they may live, that you may love the Lord, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. What does it mean to do the right thing? What does it mean to, to choose life? It means I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart. I'm going to listen to his word, trust and obey, and I'm never going to let go of him. I'm never going to let go. I'm going to hold fast to him. Now, we know, every one of us here, by practical experience, how hard that is to do, isn't it? Although God says it's not difficult, we know at times, in our own flesh, we choose the easy way. And the reason for that is because, as Jesus told us in his ministry, that he had come to give us life and give it to us abundant, John 10, verse 10. He tells us that in John 10, 10, that I've come to give you life and to have it to the fullest. We know that. But Jesus also told us in that verse that there's a thief. There's a thief that comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Folks, who is that thief? Who's the one that wants to kill and destroy you? Who's the one that wants you to choose death and not life? It's this devil. And Jesus says, no, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Choose life. Sharon and I, about a year ago, met this young woman, Whitney, in her early 30s. Whitney is medically trained. She has devoted her life to going to all parts of the world where there has been war, or there's been refugees, or severe breakouts of certain diseases, whatever. She's done this now for several years. 
she decided when she was home for a period of time to buy this house in East Nashville to build it up. She never owned a home. So she kind of put her interest in that and built it and got it going, and she bought some things that were there in East Nashville just to have like a hobby, but she also wanted to have a place when she would come home. Uh, this spring, she went off on another medical missions, and a few days into that, my son David and Sydney get a phone call, because they were the emergency contact, that Whitney's house had been burned down and that her car had been burned up. And this immediately struck fear because is there somebody in Whitney's life that has something against her, you know? Was this like, it sounded very personal. And to burn down the house and then burn down the car, not knowing whether she was in there or not, and then having to break that news to Whitney, who's over somewhere in India at the time. And so to come to find out, it was somebody who had just picked her house at random. He had only been out of jail for two or three days. He had been in jail for arson and had done this to different homes. He didn't know who she was, didn't know anything about her, just wanted to set a fire and set the fire to her house, totally destroyed that dream house of hers, and totally destroyed the car. You know what Whitney said? I got better things to do. That's just stuff. You guys take care of it on that end. I'm going to keep doing what God's called me to do. Amen? And that church surrounded her and is taking care of her and loving her. Listen, folks, the devil wants you to do the easy thing, to give up, discourage, get off frantic, and go back home and start looking at what he's trying to burn down your marriage. He's trying to destroy your friendships. He's trying to destroy this congregation. He's trying to destroy everything about you. He's trying to destroy your whole reputation, your character. He's trying to get you to get so discouraged that you'll just do the easy thing and not the right thing. Don't give up on God. You keep doing the right thing no matter what. And this is what God is telling you. You choose life. Jesus says, I have ascended. I have descended from heaven. I'm bringing life to you, this abundant life. You choose the right thing, not the easy way, and I will always bless you. Yes, there's a thief out there that will kill and destroy, but I'm greater than him. I can bring a blessing out of disaster. I can bring a blessing to you if you'll trust and obey. Do you believe that? Are you encouraged by that word that comes from that? You see, as Ken said earlier, we must live intentionally. We have to be aware of our surroundings. We have to understand who's against us. And that's why Jesus said over and over again in his ministry, you have to watch and pray. You have to watch. You watch through the word of God. You know the word of God. It's near you. It's on your mouth. You know what the word of God says about this enemy. You know what the word of God says about loving him and listening to, to God and, and holding fast to him. And you hear that. And then so when you're alert to this devil, you now bring it to before God in prayer. And God releases that power, that protection, so that you can see what you need to do and how you can escape. And this is what it says. Be alert in 1 Peter and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Just remember this, when you're on the easy way, you're on the devil's highway. And the devil only has one end on that highway, and that's your destruction. There is nothing good that comes on the easy road. There's nothing good that comes out of disobedience. There's nothing good that comes out of rebellion. It destroys friendships, it destroys relationships, it destroys relationships between a husband and a wife, between a parent and a child, it destroys between friend and friend, and the devil's winning. The devil's winning when we get on that easy route that's there. You have to be alert. You have to be sober. You need to know the word of God so you can choose the right way and not the easy way. And that's why God says, now I want you to choose life. And to choose life means you'll love me 
with all your heart, mind, and soul, that you'll listen to my word, that you'll trust and obey in me, and that you will hold fast to me. That's what it means to live and to choose wisely, to do what is right, to do what is right and not what is easy. Well, how do I do that intentionally? Folks, there should never be an excuse. Every single day of your life, you must be in the word of God. You must know the word of God inside and out. You must have it in there, and there's absolutely no excuse for any one of us in this room today to not be in God's Word. Don't make excuses. Don't say you can't do it. Don't say you don't have time. You do. You make time for what you want to have time for. You make the changes where you want to make the changes. I'm telling you, this Word of God that's there, you must be in prayer to bring everything to God in prayer, to worship Him at every opportunity, to be involved in worship to God together corporately and individually to sing praises to him, to be in, in worship to him, to have counsel of good, godly friends and people around you from this congregation and other congregations that will give you the great, godly advice. You need to do what is right and not what is easy, which means you need to speak words of faith. I don't see this happening. I don't know how I can do this. I don't know how in the world I can believe this. This just seems too hard and it seems so difficult. But you say, I'm not going to speak those words to myself. I'm going to say that nothing's too difficult for my God. Nothing's too difficult for him. And God has told me that nothing's too difficult for me. If I will be in his word, that God will never give me anything that's too difficult for me to handle. And God, nothing's too difficult for you. I don't understand it. I don't see it, but I'm going to speak words of faith here. I'm going to trust and obey you. I know, I know that your way is better than my way. I know that you will see me through it. I'm going to watch and pray. It's intentional. It's the right thing to do. So how do I do that? Well, I have to resist. I have to resist. And Peter says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. I have to resist him. To do what is right is a struggle. It's a fight worth fighting. It's a stand worth taking. It's important that we do that and not give up. To resist him that is trying to destroy us, to stand firm in our faith, to know that we have surrounding us others who have been through the very same thing, and they stood and resisted, and they were blessed by God as well. Choose life. James tells us this, doesn't he? He says, resist the devil, and what will happen? When you resist the devil, what will he do? He is going to flee from you. Can I tell you, don't assist the devil? Is that just too elementary? Resist the devil. Don't assist him. If the devil's coming after you, would you make his work a little bit harder, not easier? The next time the devil's coming after you, would you resist him and not assist him? Would you say, look, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to work really hard. I'm going to be in God's word. I'm going to trust God in this. Well, well how do I resist the devil? The same way Jesus did. Jesus in the wilderness, there for 40 days without food. The devil now comes to him and tempts him and tells Jesus, do it the easy way. Do it my way. Avoid the suffering. Avoid the cross. I'll give it all to you. Don't do the right thing. Do the easy thing. You know what Jesus says to the devil? No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I may be hurting physically right now. I might not have eaten anything, any bread for 40 days right now, but man, I've been feeding myself on the inside. Come on, come at me, devil. 
I'm telling you, I'm feeding on the word of God. And you're going to flee from me because I'm going to resist you. And so as we feed ourselves to live physically, we have to feed ourselves to live spiritually. And although he was in his physical body weak and at a weakened state, in his spiritual inner man, he was stronger than ever. Amen? And some of you are going through some incredible suffering. Some things that are just robbing you of your strength in your flesh. But every day, as the outward man is wasting away, inwardly you can grow stronger day by day. The resistant devil being in his word. That's what Paul told us. We looked at this last week in 2 Timothy. As Paul told us that the word of God is God-breathed, it's useful for, for teaching us, for rebuking us, and for correcting us. He then says it's also useful for training us in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you feel yourself thoroughly equipped for every good work? See, nothing's too difficult for you because nothing's too difficult for God. And if God has given you an assignment, if God has given you something to do, he says you do it the right way, not the easy way, and I'll equip you to do that. It's very beautiful. Resist the devil. We don't resist him by our willpower or by our own self-assertion or exertion and discipline no we do it through god's word be obedient to god's word and that devil who comes against you will realize that you have a god in you that's greater than he is and the result will be that he will see that you're trained and that you're in god's word and that you've chosen life and he'll flee now the word of god i think is so important for us to see is that how the devil does attack us the devil does not sit down and have a theological argument with you. He's not going to sit there and have a theological debate with you. The devil is going to attack you in a very practical way, and you have to be ready for it. Are you with me? It's not the devil having a theological, did you have to know the word and all the nuances in the Greek and Hebrew to it. He's going to see where you're at in your practical everyday life. And that's why the word of God must be near to us in our heart and our mouth, because he attacks us in the very familiar areas of life. For example, did you know he attacks when we're angry? In your anger, do not what? Sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Is it okay to get angry? Absolutely. It's a good, it's a good, you got to get angry at times. But anger is always to be temporary. It's to be specific in nature, and you're to release it as soon as possible, right? What happens when we don't release it, when we retain it and hold on to it? Who's there, folks? Devil. How do we resist the devil? Next time you're angry, realize, ooh, the devil's looking for a foothold. I'm not going to let that devil put that foot in that door and get his way in. I'm going to release it as soon as I can. Did you know the devil can do a lot of work with a lot of angry Christians? Devil can do a lot of work with a lot of angry people, can he? He can do a whole lot of work with a lot of angry Christians. And so it's up to us to know, what does God's word say about anger? How do I use that anger in a very positive way and not a negative way? And so the devil does not get a foothold in my life. I don't assist the devil. I resist him in a very practical way. Another area in Corinthians, Paul says, about forgiveness. To do what is right is to forgive. To do what is easy is to hold on to it. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive, Paul writes. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, 
I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not what? Outwit us, for we're not unaware of his schemes. I mean, it's right there. If you're holding on and, not, and refusing to forgive somebody, Satan is outwitting you. You are not resisting the devil. Now, forgiveness, I don't want to oversimplify this. Forgiveness is a process. It takes time. It takes a lot more than just saying, I forgive you. So I'm very clear on that. But you've got to begin the process. And as long as you put off the healing, as long as you put it off and keep holding that grudge there, you know what Satan's going to do with that? If you don't resist Satan, you're going to assist the devil. And he's going to outwit you, and his schemes are going to come into play, and he's going to use that unforgiveness for unbelievable harm and destruction. We've got to forgive. It's the right thing. Is it easy? No. But God will bless you when you choose life and do what is right. What happens if I don't resist? What happens if I hold on to the anger? What's the big deal? What happens if I don't forgive? You said it brings that sort of destruction, but what if I just hold on to it? What's going to happen? Well, here's what Paul talks about in Colossians. You must rid yourself of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Have you ever heard the expression toxic life? Or that person has a toxic personality. We know what we're talking about there, right? What's happened to a person who has a toxic life or a toxic personality? It's, it's either they are very angry on the inside or very unforgiving on the inside or both. And what's now in there is such rage and malice and slander and filthy language that comes from their lips. And it's all because they're doing the easy thing and not the right thing. This is what happens. Instead of a life that's choosing life, that's loving God and holding fast to God and listening to his word, the devil has hold of us. So here's what Paul says in contrast. Here's what it looks like when we turn over to God. It's choosing wisely. Therefore, as God's chosen people, you're holy and dearly loved. You clothe yourself. Here's the right way to live. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in a perfect unity. That's life, isn't it? And that's not too difficult for any one of us. This is what God says. When we put him first and love him and do it by his word, this is what we look like. What does your life look like? What does my life look like? This is what it's supposed to look like. And this is how we reach the world for Christ. Amen? Do the right, not what's easy. And so choose life. Do this. We resist. Going back to James, we submit. Submit yourselves then to God. What does it mean to submit? Submission involves trusting and obeying. I must trust and obey that there's a blessing in doing what is right. I don't believe it. I don't understand it. I lack the faith. Trust and obey. Obedience will override your faith when your faith is lacking. When you don't believe it, when you can't see it, when you're not sure it's going to happen, what must you do? You keep on trusting. You keep obeying. Why do I do what I'm doing? Because the Bible tells me so. And if God tells me so, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it until I understand why I'm doing it. And I'm going to obey until it increases my faith. And that's the only way it works. Because when your faith is weak and when you don't believe, you back off, you make excuses, 
and you start going the easy way. Trust and obey. Do it God's way. Trust that he'll bring the blessing that comes with it. Trust and obey. There was this king, uh, this captain of the army of Syria. He lived during the days of Elisha. And it's recorded in 2 Kings 5. His name was Naaman. Naaman was wealthy. He was successful. Life, he had life by the tail. And everything is going his way. And then he gets leprosy. Devastating, incurable during the time in which Naaman lived. His life is over with for all intents and purposes. He's going to be an outcast. Can't do what he's doing anymore. And this little servant girl who's a slave in his household who's from Israel said, I know a prophet out of Israel. He can heal you if you can get in touch with him. He can heal you of your leprosy. Naaman makes the preparations. He makes the arrangements. He gets all the gold he can and all the silver and all the clothing, all this great wealth. And he makes that long trip to Israel. He finds out where Elisha's living. And he goes there and they knock on the door. Elijah does not come out. But Elijah's messenger, his servant, comes out. Comes out, answers the door, and tells Naaman, go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman said, well, wait a minute. I thought we'd kind of call a crowd together and, and, and Elijah would speak to God and he would wave his hand and I'd be healed. I mean, our rivers back in Syria are far better than this old Jordan River. I could have stayed there and done that. He complains, he gets angry, and he walks away from his opportunity. He walks away from it, angry. He came that close to walking away from his healing because of his preconceived idea of how God should work in his life. Have you ever done that? Well, this is the way I think God should be doing this, but he's not working that way. In all likelihood, God will probably not solve your problem the way you think he's going to. In all likelihood, God's probably not going to work the way you think he's going to work, the way you think he's going to work. God's way is different than our way. But let me tell you something. God's way is better than your way. And God's way is better than my way. And so Naaman has this preconceived idea, and he almost walks away from his healing. And see, this is what happens to us. We, we want to turn. We want to trust God. We want to obey God. But we have this God in a box. This is the way my God is. This is the way he works. This is what he does. And when he doesn't operate that way, we get mad, and we walk away and do the easy way. Thank God for the assistant in Naaman's life. As Naaman's walking away from the assistant, says, you know what? And this took a lot of courage. But he told Naaman, you know, if, if Elijah had asked you to do a great thing, if it had been great, you would have done it. All he said was simply go wash and cleanse yourself in the Jordan, and you'll be healed. Naaman had enough sense to pay attention and to obey. I don't think he had a whole lot of faith. He's complaining. He's angry. He's in a rage. But guess what he does? He trusts and obeys. And he went down one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, six times. And the seventh time of that river Jordan, he comes out and he has the skin of a new boy. Skin of a new boy. Now, I don't know where you are in your life. You're on the fourth dip or the fifth dip or the second dip or the sixth dip. <laughs> but keep on dipping, right? And you'll probably be angry and complain at times it's not working, I don't see anything happening. Keep trusting and obeying. Come out with a new life. Come out. Trust God. Obey God. Trust and obey Him. Name was angry. He was complaining. 
He was griping about everything, but guess what? He trusted and obeyed. His faith was lacking. His faith was incomplete. He had a little bit of arrogance there, but he trusted and obeyed, and God blessed his obedience. It was not the water that healed him. It was his obedience to God. Are you listening to me? His obedience to God. And when we are lacking faith, obedience will override that faith and keep us walking with God to we increase our faith and grow in our faith, which then will increase our obedience. And that's what he did. And so he's obedient, and guess what he does? This one who wasn't praying and singing hallelujah and just glorifying God and had joy in his heart to go in the river Jordan, when he comes out healed because he trusts and obeys, guess what he does? He praises God. He says, this God of Israel is the God of the whole world. The God of the whole world to trust and obey. And maybe you're right there right now today. I don't know. I hope you get encouragement from this word today. To simply trust and obey. And for you to please remember what John tells us in his first letter. And what he says, he wants us to remember. You're an overcomer. You can do this, not by your might, but resisting through the word of God and submitting yourself to the power of God to trust and obey God because you know and you believe and you trust that the one who's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Choose that life. And I know what some of you are saying this morning. I didn't choose that. I've not been resisting. I've not submitted. I have failed. Is it too late for me? You know what I'm going to say here, right? It's never too late to go in the right direction. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. Never. And this is what James tells us in that same chapter. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Confess and repent, you double-minded. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. How do I draw near to God? Have Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. He paid the price for you. Your sins are upon his cross. Your redemption's found in him. Your salvation is in him. Your life is in him. He loved you so much to die for you. Your grace and your forgiveness is found in him. It's never too late when you give your life to God. Your life may take a different journey. It may take a different direction. It may not be anything you imagine, but I promise you, when you put your faith in Christ, you draw near to him, you'll never be disconnected. God, God, God will bless you for doing what is right. Humble yourself before him. Choose this life, this life that he's given you. Have you been encouraged by this message this morning? I mean, these are great words from the word of God to do what is right. And I hope that you'll choose life. And to choose life means I'm going to love the Lord God with all my heart. I'm going to listen to his word. I'm going to hold fast to him. I'm going to hold fast to him all the days of my life. I'm going to trust God for that blessing of obedience. If we can help you in any way, be baptized, place membership, or just pray with you. Let's do that together as we stand and as we sing.